I'll be waiting for you at the station Whenever it is that your train comes in No matter how many days you've been gone Till the day that you finally break me You give it, you know I can take it I'll follow wherever you go And I'll carry you home Welcome to yet another episode of Sonic Dorms. I'm your host, Dandelion. And I'm your host, Max. Thank you for following our treble. And thank you for joining our tempo. Today, we're interviewing a band that goes by the name West Side Waltz. They're from the Big Apple, New York City, which is kind of my neck of the woods where I grew up. Today, joining us will be lead singer Stephanie Londino and Paul Saylor. Did I say that right? Perfect. Nailed it. Awesome. Paul Saylor, also lead singer and rhythm guitarist. Hello. They share the record and the stage with Ricky Pistone on lead guitar, Billy Smolin on bass, and Nick Impiambato on drums. Um, and they're joined by talented musical guests, uh, Richie Townsend on harmonica, and I hope I'm saying this right. Uh, it's it's not Jens, is it? <laughs> I knew it was going to be Jens. Uh, Jens Cromer. It's Jens, a hard one. <laughs> Jens Cromer on fiddle. <laughs> And I got in touch with this exceptional band because I went to college with their drummer, Nick. He's a very good friend of mine, and I was proud to hear that his mad skills were on this record. Uh, in fact, I think my exact words to him were, love the record, the drummer sucks, though. <laughs> um, but he doesn't. Hi, Nick. All right. You guys are the so, best friends. <laughs> We we go way back. We have some we have some very strange history you can ask him about. Not strange like lover history. I mean like we're just oh. weird. Um <laughs> so my first question is how did you guys all meet? Well, it started with how Stephanie and I met, which is a tawdry tale. Uh we I was sort of offered up uh, as what I can best describe as sacrificial wedding booty. I'm just not nice. going to let you tell that story. <laughs> I'm going to let her tell it. I think it's She better. tells the PG-13 version. We, we don't uh, know okay. PG-13, but whatever you want. <laughs> okay. We got set up at a wedding, basically, uh, by my best friend um, and our now mutual best friend, one of our best friends. And he... Uh, he basically said, I have the perfect guy for you. He's six foot three. His nickname is Thor and he has an ass that won't quit. <laughs> and um, <laughs> nice. he said, oh, great music starts. Yeah. He said, you, he won't be your, your husband, but you're going to have a great time. And we failed epically at having a trashy wedding hookup and instead fell in love. And now here we are almost five years later. I love yeah. that. That's awesome. Yeah, that was kind of, and then we ended up uh, on a ship together for a while, and that was where we started playing music together. And, uh, you know, after the ship was when we started basically recruiting. Um, the rest of the guys in the band and on the album are basically guys we knew either from wedding bands or, you know, kind of just like the New York scene. And uh, I think, Steph, you actually met Nick through 
Yeah, a friend of mine. So our we had a different drummer when we first started the band. Our uh, brother Morgan Clark um, of Morgan Clark Music out of Dallas, who also mixed the album for those of you. He did. He mixed the album, um, and he moved. He was in New York with us, and then he moved to Texas to open his studio. And so after playing together for a year and a half in the city, he moved, and we needed a new drummer. I had a random connection put me in touch with Nick, and uh, yeah, we've never looked back. He's been our longest standing band member since then. Awesome. So do you guys want a serious question next or a weird one? Oh, oh well, can it be seriously weird? Not weird. Yeah. I mean, they are ve- all very seriously weird. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> um, okay. Let's see. What artist would you love to make out with in order to absorb, 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 I can't even say it, absorb their magical musical powers? I know. I already know. Okay. You say yours. Okay. This is weird though, because mine's dead. Is that okay? That's that's fine. fine. <laughs> Even better. Awesome. Awesome. Even dead, I would still choose Amy Winehouse. I applaud that. I would I would watch Steph make out with Amy Winehouse. That, <laughs> no, um the making out is confusing because if I just wanted to absorb somebody's essence, my first thought is Dave Grohl. Mm. And then I was mm. like, I don't know if I'd want to Actually, yeah, I guess I would kind of want to make out with Dave Grohl. I mean, you know, whatever you're into, you have to assume it would be legendary. Right. <laughs> it's not even really about their looks at that point. It's just about right. absorbing their, their magic. So like, the question is, like, who do you have a talent boner for? Although yeah. if you're if we're talking like the, the magical intersection of talent boner and regular boner, I might have to go Jesse J. Okay, I see that. I applaud both your choices, by the way. Um, Same here. What are some artists that have influenced you guys as a band? Sure. Yeah, we feel this a lot, especially because the album is kind of a sampler platter of like mm-hmm. a lot of different styles. Um, so we draw a lot on that folk root kind of sound of like... The traditions that kind of spawned it, you're going back to like there's some songs that are very kind of in the Gordon Lightfoot, James Taylor world. And that sort of acoustic duo harmony, even a little bit of Simon and Garfunkel flavor in there, which is now modernized by bands like the civil wars which mm-hmm. are related to a lot. Um, um, yeah. Uh, Delta Ray. And there's a, a New York band called the lone bellow. That uh, is one that I would love to be compared to because they're fantastic. I don't know if you guys know those guys as well. Um, but there's also, you know, the Amy Winehouse influence is definitely there. There's a healthy sprinkling of Zeppelin in a couple of these tunes, mm. um, you know, and, and kind of from track to track, a lot of them sort of, you know, we've got that acoustic folk heart, um, but, you know, it's sort of little different flavors taken from here and there. Definitely. And I applaud you guys and any artists for releasing an album during this this time you guys released your your album love and fear on october 30th correct we did yeah it's i anybody who's listening i highly recommend it you will get so many different flavors i felt like i was listening to it in the morning last uh last week and listened to a little bit of it over the week and 
it's a really good album to like wake up and make your breakfast and have your coffee too because like the first song kind of kind of like leads you into the rest of it and like by the time you're like scrambling your eggs the mountain comes on and you're like yeah (laughs) i mean that's at least what happened for me yeah that that's that tune will scramble your eggs for you it 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 basically did (laughs) i applaud you for Releasing something during this pandemic, has it been like difficult in promoting it? Or, I mean, I'm sure you would love to like play live shows, but. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's the biggest difficulty really is just getting the baseline excitement to engage with people during a time Mm -hmm. when it's like the sort of general social media culture of come buy my album, come support my music. And, you know, when everyone's fearful for their future and there's been a bit of a struggle like that. It's like, we live our lives as artists and a certain amount of that is like, give me that spotlight, give me that microphone. And at a time like this, I think the solution to it has been trying to reframe it as like, you know what, this is, this is something we can offer to people. We're not so much thinking in terms of trying to promote, promote in terms of just trying to offer it. This is music that brings a little brightness to your day, a little extra scramble to your eggs at a time when you need it, then, you know, it's here for you. And uh, obviously the shows are the thing you miss the most, but right, the, the landscape's changing. We change with it. Yeah. All right. So uh, another silly question, and then I'm going to, I'm going to say, I'm going to ask Max if he has any questions, but okay. If you could, be a mythical character what would you be and what would your name be now when we say are we talking like from real mythology here or are we talking like a centaur a centaur a murder i gotcha Oh shit! This is a good question. This this is because we're both going to take it way too seriously. Yeah, we are. And like trying yeah. to write you an essay, yeah. justifying yeah. our choice. Oh, God. Okay. Please do that, please. Yeah. I mean, I've got to go. <laughs> I think at the end of the day, I would be some variation on Pan, like a forest god of mischief and music. Mm. That's you know, I would be the the goat-legged spirit of the woods <laughs> whose music inspires those around him to debaucherous revelry. It's, I think that's my my function. <laughs> if you draw that character, we will post it on our Sonic Dorms. You it's better believe I'm going to do that. Oh, yeah. Which actually leads us right into Paul drew all of the album art that's on the cover Um so that's his his original design. He's got a secret hidden talent as a really good sketch artist, and we we monopolized on that for the cover. Um, Any sketches you guys have? Okay, amazing. We will we will post them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I will give you some quality pan the forest god. You you better be ready. <laughs> said that because um i as soon as she said that i was like oh i'd be some kind of nymph some kind of wood dryad situation it's so sick that we were both like woodland creature Um, (laughs) well that that's got this asheville and uh and we were like we got mountains on the brain so (laughs) 
Well, that just um, secures that you guys totally belong together. And then you can like both hop up a mountain to your song, The Mountain. When I came to the mountain, just 20 bucks in the backpack, and we candy bars and Hop off into the sunset. <laughs> you damn right we're hopping. <laughs> um, I love both of those answers. Okay, but what would your names be? Oh man, <laughs> I mean, I, I'm just, I'm stealing the real mythos, but it's hard for me to call Pan anything but Pan. Pot. Wow. <laughs> Yes, yes, I would be Pot, Pan's weird degenerate cousin. <laughs> Pan gets all the glory, but gets all the chicks. <laughs> wow, you're a great impressionist, too. <laughs> I'm just finally doing my real voice. <laughs> I'm glad that we could bring that out here on Sonic Horn. <laughs> I I regret none of my choices. <laughs> All right, Mac. Mac, do you have any questions for them? Absolutely. Serious, I'm going. Or... I'm going to ask him a serious question. Serious. Okay. Super. Extra dark. No. Anyways. So the production on the record has a very like stripped down sound quality to it very reminiscent of some of my favorite producers works uh that of rick rubin uh, very like americana like stripped down raw but like very clean at the same time it doesn't sound like a garage demo which i love um so with that being said was it self-produced or did you um enlist a producer for this record yeah it's a great question it was completely self-produced but it was self-produced by the grace of a really um just super generous and beloved fan following that put their money where their mouth mouths are i guess and um funded a kickstarter that was how we funded the album so um it was produced by by us but we we linked up with um steve bartlett who's um a, a mixer now he's working with smash studios in the city so we we did a, a full day recording all Almost all of the instruments were recorded at um, at the at Smash, which was on uh, down in Midtown in, in Hell's Kitchen, and um, and then we ended up doing a bunch of re-recording and of, of some of the lead vocals and some of the acoustic guitar stuff, and we did all the harmonica in our own home studio, um, and then because of the fusion of both of those efforts, we came up with what we ended with. And, and no, the yeah, production decisions were very much a kind of a collaboration between us and Steven, who's a guy who has worked on squajillions of records and would just come with these kind of out of left field ideas yeah. for like a specific guitar line. Or, you know, at one point he had Nick holding like six bundles of sticks just to make this one particular clacking sound. He's like, trust me, the clack is going to be worth it. <laughs> and, uh, and our friend Morgan is, you know, also has a monster production brain and really helped us, you know, so in terms of actually getting the sound to that final product, we, we owe a lot to the kind of combined brain trust of Morgan and Steve. Yes. 
So it was very old school in that, you know, normally nowadays, if you want to do some clacking, you would sample it or you'd get the sample off of a computer or something. But you guys were creating organic sounds. I like that. Very old. Oh, school. yes. Everything's made from scratch, um, including the, all the hand percussions in the mountain, all your crazy. Oh, yeah. There's a couple. I definitely had one day of total indulgent self-production because there's a couple numbers where we have hand percussion and just uh, the track um, Eyes Wide Open. I literally basically just spent a day in our kitchen finding things to bang on. Um, so that's, it doesn't get much more homegrown than just some guy with a microphone in his kitchen banging pots together. Yeah, and playing the spoons. <laughs> I mean, your name is Pot, so. Exactly. Are you, are you guys like, did you guys grow up on like that kind of, I mean, you mentioned like James Taylor and whatnot. Like, is that just like embedded in you? Like that sense of like, when we create records, we want like that almost like um, set early 70s, like organic, uh, like almost like early Fleetwood Mac as well. Like just like those organic like textures and the soundscapes. Yes, that's exactly how I would describe it for sure. Organic and textured. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I we're actually here visiting some of my family right now. My dad is an old time musician, plays everything with strings and, you know, comes from a school of music where like, Things like tracking multiple parts to a metronome is some newfangled fanciness that they want no part of. And, yeah. and you know, if it sounds like it's ever been tuned or put had a filter put on it, he don't want none. And and so you know, I I grew up in that world, and and again, listening to a lot of those old seventies records, and and so we wanted to kind of straddle that line. You know, we wanted it to sound clean and palatable and in tune for a modern ear, but we also wanted it to to resonate on the frequency of that, you know, exactly what you're talking about, the old school, the Fleetwood Mac, the James Taylor, these kind of like, this is still at the end of the day about a guitar and a song. Wonderful, yeah, I can hear it. It's very uh, real, which is something that I think is refreshing in this day and age. Definitely. It's definitely, it's not a, uh, a young people looking to hook up kind of album. It is a like people going through the real shit of trying to make relationships work album. And I think, you know, that's one thing we, you know, kind of what we uniquely feel able to bring is, as you know, bringing the struggles of navigating romance to the struggles of navigating music. And it's, Amazing how much those are parallel journeys. I feel that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I miss that era, like, like between the eighties and the nineties where there was like those artists who were like very authentic and real, like you'd have this great Don Henley record that would come up and, and those singles were big on radio too. So as a whole, like um, mainstream radio would pick up on like what, what I would consider like organic, like very heartfelt, adult contemporary if you will music uh and there's a lack of that right now in the mainstream or just at all so it's very cool again refreshing to have a band out there uh in any capacity doing just that it's so funny that you say that too we we were driving back from this weekend and um is there a pup over there am i hearing a pup you heard a pup and that's my apologies Either that or things are way, way weirder over there than we were ready for. <laughs> no, that's just that's just Max. <laughs> I, I tend to bark when I get really excited. I don't know why. Sorry. 
Well, we're glad the music makes you excited. And yeah, we were listening to a, a serious radio station recently called Pop Rocks, which plays all the, these hits from the 90s and like the early 2000s. And we, you know, we really feel on that sound that was like less filtered, like the, mm-hmm. you know, Fiona Apple, like a lot of more set kind of gritty, even like the, the rock bands that were happening then. And we were talking about, you know, Nickelback, which everybody, everybody shits on Nickelback. I will defend Nickelback to my giant breath. I will defend them with you. I'm going to defend them right there with you. Okay. Right. Like I. I, yeah, they got, I think they got unduly shafted. Uh, but, like, you know, that whole style of music where you can, like, really feel the, the, the ouch of it, you know, it's not oh, so yeah. overproduced. It's tuned to death. And... Dashboard professional. Yeah. <laughs> so, I have another question for you guys, unless Max, you have another question for them. Uh, no, I'm good. I think I'm going to pass it on, on to you now because you have a lot of really interesting questions. <laughs> um, I want another makeout question. You want another what? I want another makeout question. You just want to talk about making it. Okay. Yeah. All right. I got another one for you that's along the same line. Oh, great. All right. What song of your bands would you do a strip team for David Bowie to? For David Bowie specifically? Bad baby, no question. Baby, Which one? Baby, bad baby. If there is a striptease song on this album, it's Bad Baby. Yeah. Which I'm a huge fan of. And by the way, that that song was Steph's baby. She wrote it before we ever met each other. And I sort of helped with the arrangement that I remember the first time I heard her kind of, you know, demonstrate that song. Being like, Oh, I've never written a song before, what do you think? My response was what I think anyone in the arts will recognize as the greatest compliment one artist can pay to another, which is, fuck you. <laughs> so, I'm sorry, would you, would you say that that's your favorite song on the album? It's, it's definitely one of them. Um, it's definitely, again, in terms of the one that you could best take your clothes off to, it's definitely, again, it's it's one of the most purely blues on the album and just has that real slow thump. Um, there's something really nice about the stylistic cleanliness of that. It's like you know exactly what you're listening to from the minute that song starts. Um, but fa- I think my favorite might be the last track. Yeah, I was thinking that too. Either um, that or the first. Yeah. The last and, uh, track being One Day at a Time. Yeah. I, I really oh, like that one. That is for me. Why is it for you? Probably the same reason. You tell them. Okay. Well, so, I mean, that track is, of, of everything on the album, that one underwent the biggest renovation. So we came into the studio, and it started as a solo track where Paul was singing lead the whole way through, and I just sang some background stuff. And um, we recorded the whole damn thing in the damn expensive studio and then got home and we're listening to it and Paul hated it so much. And I agreed that it wasn't strong and we were going to strap it, scrap it and, and just deliver a nine track album. And then we, we started looking at it and playing with it and, you know, conceiving of it as a duet. What if, what if I started and what if we switched the lead like we do in a lot of our other music, you know, what if we really sung it like a duet? And when, as soon as we kind of did that, it just opened for us. And then the whole thing kind of grew out of that. You get the interplay at the end where we're kind of like 
taking turns swapping out the lead line and licking over each other and so it ended up being kind of like a smorgasbord of awesome duettiness and we we feel really proud that we resurrected what was going to be you know a, a scrap heap number and kind of turned into what it is which is like a really heartfelt ballad about like mm-hmm. how you get down in the shit and like you know relationships have this guilt on them and you know what i mean is like there's this golden quality and people people don't talk about the like they either talk about the the shining moments of joy or the like kind of shining bittersweet moments of heartbreak but talking about the the day-to-day of the thing and like the unromantic parts of romance i feel like that song is is telling that story and and i i love it awesome so I I listened to I listened to it maybe two or three times since like when Nick first told me like oh listen to this album that I play drums uh, with my band I was like yay so I listened to it that day and then when we were starting to look for people to interview in the podcast I thought about Nick again and I asked him if you guys would maybe be interested so I listened to it again. And I will say that the song that that um, I don't I don't even know how to the song that touched my soul. Um, I I really liked the pretend boy. I think yeah, that one that one struck a nerve. I I know Nick said that Stephanie wrote that. Um, we actually that was the first one we flat out co-wrote. Um, oh, that right. was a pretty even split. Well, then Nick lied. Shame on you, Nick. He's a liar. Yeah. He is a liar, <laughs> as well as a degenerate and just garbage yeah, human. He totally you know. is. Um, yeah. So I think the lyrics are great. And the line where you talk about manscaping, I giggled. Um, even though it's not really meant to to be giggled at, but <laughs> I did. Um, and then I really liked Carry You Home. I thought that was a great intro to um, song to the album. And then I really liked the mountain because it kind of got, got me going throughout the day. Uh, it kind of revved up my day and it had a little bit of an ACDC kick to it. No, I feel like I can't hear any of you guys. I'm just talking and I don't hear anyone. Can you hear me? I can hear you. But I can't hear Steph and Paul. There they are. Here they are. Oh, yes. Oh, no. I lost you. You're back. Was what that happened? Pot's fault? No, I'm not sure. Yeah, it was Pot's fault. Definitely Pot's fault. Yeah. Well, probably, it was probably Nick. <laughs> oh, you know what? It was Nick. Yeah, we should just blame him for everything. Um, <laughs> we lost you right when you said you were talking about the lyrics of Pretend Boy. Oh, okay. So for with Pretend Boy, I thought the lyrics were great, and I thought that the the little bit where you talk about manscaping was was funny. Um, I, I fought for that lyric. The... <laughs> maybe it's not even supposed to be giggled at, but like I did, I was like in the car and I was like, "Oh, oh God, <laughs> oh my God!" If if you don't laugh at manscaping, you don't understand what a sense of humor is. So good for right. you to laugh away. So I also liked Carry You Home, which is a great intro to the album. Um, I thought it it just kind of woke up my day, and so did The Mountain when it came on. I was 
I was pleasantly surprised at the kick of ACDC in my morning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I really enjoyed that one. A lot of my um, work just in like my commercial music life is in like 80s cover bands and doing all this kind of screaming. So he said, we're going to go like full on crazy off the rock and roll deep end for at least one song on this album. <laughs> As you should. And we were talking about Bad Baby before, which you would both strip tease to David Bowie for. Um, yeah, I like and I like that that's I like that that's right after the mountain, so that it just kind of it's like, all right, slow down, strip for David Bowie. <laughs> Love and Fear is the album title song, and I thought that that was actually very like whimsical and like almost childlike, like in a in a good way, like it just seemed very like innocent but like the lyrics were like really honest and kind of reflective of maybe like the the band the civil wars a little bit yeah very like very it. of that world yes yeah and the fiddle was like very romantic it kind of reminded me of a country fair a little bit so we we ended up on a couple of occasions getting a little more country than i think we initially intended to as we continued to kind of produce and develop these songs um but it's, you know, it's when it's in you, it's in you. Like, don't, <laughs> you yeah. never want to try to fight a song when it's telling you something. Yeah. I totally agree. I, I'm an artist myself, and I feel like all of my songs come out so differently than the last one. And some of them are just like not even the same drama or drama genre as the last one. And I'm like, how do I package this? <laughs> Yeah, well, and that's, it's so funny that you say that. I mean, that's that's the struggle, right? I and mean, we we wanted this album to be a work of joy and like representative of what we are, which is a mishmash of a lot of different styles. So I feel like, you know, Paul has said in other interviews, like maybe for a second album, we'll try to like you know narrow down the genre a little bit. But I feel like the first album being kind of a free reign to just create what gave us joy to create and not worry so much about the packaging was was our goal hell or high water we stick by that goal mm -hmm. um max do you have any questions yeah well i would just have to add to i'm a big rocker at heart although i'm also very eclectic but i just wanted to mention and add to the track the mountain and mention how badass it is and Again, very ACDC, also very like um, mid seventies, almost like a uh, rocks era Aerosmith, which I really dig. Oh, yeah. um, I have to say, yeah, yeah see, and uh, mm -hmm. I really dig that. And again, I love. I don't know. I'm not saying like against this personal preference here, um, and but just saying to you guys, I applaud bands and artists who deliver diversity within an album. Personally, I grew up on like. Queen records and and Zeppelin obviously did this too and the Beatles obviously were like the kings of that as far as like not making like every song on one record tackles a different genre or a different influence that's very distinct in its own right and I feel like you guys have a bit of that in your sound as far as like you can't really put you guys in a box and I don't really like artists that get put in a box personally so I'm happy to see that you guys 
opened up the floodgates and made a record that was somewhat diverse. So I say you should just find your own sound. I mean, you can't, I liked bands that just have their own. You can't put them in a genre. They're just defined by their band name. So you guys can just be defined by your band name and by nothing else. I think that's awesome. I love that. I'll take it. Yeah. What is, what's next for the band? Oh, the question, the question for the band, the question for the world. We're kind of, you know, like everybody, we're in that holding pattern. New York's about to go back into, I think, back into lockdown again. So we're trying Uh to gird our lines for a winter in New York in lockdown. But, you know, recognizing the apocalypse being what it is, I think what's next for us, as with kind of the industry in general, is you know, figuring out how to translate what we do to digital format. Um, we're taking, you know, the time where we're away from the city to start working on putting out some new cover videos and some more just, you know, sharing our music with people again, even though we can't necessarily be doing it live. Um, and we're already well underway on writing our second album. And, you know, we're going to continue to be producing music. And, uh, you know, I, I mentioned, you know, um, Dave Grohl and he he says and and others have said it, but it's like you know, at the end of the day, we we obsess over the path. I'm obviously paraphrasing. You know, we obsess over you know, oh, how am I going to get the big show that's going to lead to the booking, or I'm going to make the contact with the manager. And it's like that that stuff is changing a lot in, in the context of a pandemic. But what has not changed is we are still at the end of the day making music for whoever will listen. We, we will make it as well as we could make it. And if it sucks, then we will suck until we suck less. <laughs> and like, yeah. so I think what's next is the same thing as what's always next. It's like, write the next song, cut the next record, keep making music that brings us joy and hope it brings joy to somebody else too. Yeah. And as far as the pandemic goes, there's only one person to blame and that's Nick, obviously. Exactly. <laughs> That's absolutely Nick's fault. Uh, yeah, just so everyone listening understands, Nick Kimbato is patient zero. Yeah. COVID is entirely his fault. Yeah. You should absolutely write to him and make sure he understands how unacceptable we find it. Our last, well, I, I don't know. Do you have any more questions, Max? No, I'm eyeing um, a question here that uh, you had sent over to me, and it's like staring me in the face. I'm like, man, if she asked that question... I'm going to love it. It's just going to be fantastic. You you should ask it. Oh, you want me to ask it? All right, here I go. You ready? Yeah. All right. So will you do us a favor? When this podcast is over, will you record a 30-second video of yourself dancing to a Jamaroquai song and send it to us? You are damn right we will. (laughs) (laughs) Some canned heat, like Napoleon Dynamite style. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, it's it's we're not gonna hold back. I we wouldn't ask you to ever to hold back. <laughs> You're not gonna hold me back, so. <laughs> so thank you, everybody out there listening. We just interviewed West Side Walt out of New York City with Paul and Stephanie. They both have really great Italian last names. We're into it, and. Um, I hope you have a great day. Keep listening. And that was my cat. (laughs) I like that we have so many guests today. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We we got dogs. We got cats. We got, uh, I think there's a bear coming on in the next two seconds. We got pot. 
Not well. <laughs> what kind of what, what kind of pot are you referring to? Asking me questions. Well, thank you guys so much for for being part of Sonic Dorms. Thank you, Sonic Dorms, for having us. This has been delightful. Indeed. Yeah. Our our goal here is to literally like create like the most comforting virtual like space for like any artist to like promote and talk about their music, but more so hang out. I want it to be casual, no pressure, you know, and just be free and comfortable enough to express yourselves the way you want to express yourselves. If you think either of us is wearing pants right now, you're crazy. Yeah, you lost your mind. I'm also not wearing pants, so this is great. Wow, so I guess I'm the odd man out then. Yeah. <laughs> Top backs is what we're saying here, basically. Yeah. Oh my take god. Take them off right now just to be part of the party. No one can see you. The the no pants party, yes. Yeah. This is this is later in the interview than Steph usually tries to get people to take their pants off. I'm actually surprised <laughs> we made it this long. Um, Steph, what was your mythical character's name? We didn't get that. I didn't forget. What if she's like German? What if it's like Sprinklebaum? Oh, it's Twisnelda. Twisnelda. There you go. Oh, that's well, like German, Norwegian. That's a lot of different ethnicities in one. I like it. Mash them together for funsies. That I think you guys should write a song about them. Yeah, we're gonna do about that. Twisnelda meeting pot in the forest. We're gonna need a lot yeah. of <laughs> uh, That'll be good. Hey guys, and we're thinking maybe at some point if you're in, in if you're into it, we can do a, a video cast with you guys, where you guys can actually like uh, maybe perform a couple songs or something. Yes, actually, that sounds great. Yeah, we'd love to do that. Awesome. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. Okay. All right, great. All right. Well, thank you guys so much. We'll, we have to wear pants for that. Yeah, we'll. Have you to would have pants. to wear pants. Yes. Yeah. All right. All right. We're gonna have to think about that and get back to you. I mean, you can wear a dress. You can cheat. Yes. Yes. I mean, you, okay. can both, you can both wear dresses. I, I'm... I'll wear a dress too then, okay? Yeah. Perfect. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we'll let you guys get to back to your no pants party. Amazing. That's where we're going. Thank you guys so much for having us. And all the music's on all the platforms and shit. So if people want to find it, that's where <laughs> they can literally go anyway. <laughs> yes. And what is your Instagram handle? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We should do that too. Instagram. We are West Side Waltz. We have the whole name there. We have it on Facebook too, West Side Waltz, and on Twitter we are West Side Waltz NYC because there is a weird movie from the '90s that is also called West Side Waltz, but mercifully no one that's still alive has ever seen it. So there you have it, folks. Uh, thank you for listening and take off your pants. <laughs> <laughs> Stone